You know, um, I know we've kind of touched on it in the past, but I've been doing a lot of thinking on it lately. And uh, I feel like of all the spectator sports, tennis, basketball, football, rugby, swimming, polo. Is that a sport? <laughs> or am I getting polo. that confused with Marco Polo? Oh, no, water polo is a sport. <laughs> water polo. Is that the same thing as Marco Polo? Different. You know, just similarly named. Is Marco Polo when you say Marco and then someone tries to find you? Yeah, then they say Polo and then you try to use the you try to echolocate them in a swimming pool. <laughs> That's a fucking stupid game. You should do that you should have to do that underwater. <laughs> you can't come up until you find Marco. That's how you should have to find a mate in life. Like everybody at at age whatever, everybody jumps in a swimming pool and you play one big game of Marco Polo until until you're dead. Only two remain. Yeah, I agree. Um, and also that, that decides if you're gay or not. Yeah, that's the size. It's like yeah, if you catch if you're a man, you catch a man. Well, that's just what it is. That's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I would love for that to have happened to me at a young age. Just someone to tell me what what gender to like. To be sexually attracted to. <laughs> hey, all right, listen, we'll cut through the noise for you here. <laughs> Here's what you like. <laughs> actually, that that is that actually is literally what happened. Now that I think about it, I mean, my mom used to like not let me twirl my hair and stuff. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> like if you put a if you uh, you picked up like a tote bag or something, you put it over your shoulder instead of hanging it down. Like, hey, <laughs> blow the waist. Yeah, she would like make me wear wrist straighteners so that I was never. <laughs> she really it's like would... when you uh, do what? What's that? What's that thing they do in certain countries? Like where they do they bind your feet or whatever? What's the for like utility? Of I that? think it's like maybe for like a ballerina thing or something like that. Just so that you don't. Your your mom was doing that just so you wouldn't do gay gestures. Yeah, yeah. She really would. She'd like slap my hand. She said like. Boys don't twirl their hair. <laughs> and now it's fucked up. I wish you would have shot, just shot back with, well, this boy does. <laughs> just sassy just to my been mom. been real bitchy about it. <laughs> well, what's fucked up is that now, like, I have been robbed twice. Didn't get to twirl my hair when I had it, and now I'm losing it. So, like, now I don't get to twirl my hair. You know what I'm saying? It's like... Nah, it's just a little left to twirl, you know? Yeah. Man. It's fucked up. It sucks being a brutal. man. <laughs> where I was going with that was uh, of all the sports and this includes I'm including wrestling in this too like um, you know like professional wrestling like WWE sports entertainment rather than Greco-Roman but, yeah yeah of all the sports but also include Greco-Roman in there too why not I'm saying of every single one I feel like out west we truly landed on something that is a more perfect simulacra of human life, of human existence, than any other sport. And I'm referring, of course, to rodeo. Rodeo is the perfect analog to human life. It's not... How so? It's, it, it, because it, it has elements of artificiality, like staged theatric, but also 
extreme authenticity to the extent that you could die. You could have a bull trample on your nuts and your face at the same time. Or maybe just one <laughs> or the other. And that's and your point is that's what life does to you. That's what life does to you, yeah. Unless you have yeah, a, so. a BBL, and then in which case the bull's hooves just bounce right off your ass. <laughs> yeah. So basically you're saying if you were blessed enough to grow up in the rodeo, you're already well prepared for life because life's going to buck you off and stomp on your nuts. Yeah, like I know it's it sounds kind of like a trite point, but like actually think about it. There is... There is the, um, like, you know, like the two big, the two big parts of rodeo, like roping and riding and roping requires a little bit of skill. You know what I mean? You got to kind of be a sharpshooter with that thing. Yeah. Uh, riding is kind of more, I mean, I, I don't it's know. It's about survival. Yeah. It's about just staying on. Yeah, it's about staying on. It's about how strong your wrists are. Maybe that's why my mom was... That actually is good. It's like, okay, there's survival. There's surviving and then there's thriving. Roping would be thriving. That means you've mastered yeah. so their survival part. So much so that you've picked up a skill. <laughs> yeah. And are applying your craft and <laughs> excelling at life. Uh-huh. And then riding is just about survival. Riding is about survival. That's half of it. Half of it's survival. The other half is trying to figure out how to make something up. That's exactly right. So... And that's all real, right? Like, that's not staged. But then there are parts surrounding it and influencing it that are staged. For example, there is an audience. There are rodeo clowns who do perform a real task but are also perform performing. Yeah. You know? There's an announcer who's probably calling you a pussy for not even staying on for more than 30 milliseconds. You know, it's... It's like I saw a video the other day of a guy getting. So you're saying like you'll have your critics and your. Yeah. Yeah. Like I saw a video the other day of a guy getting thrown off a bull, and then he got like trampled. Is that that guy in Spain that was running with the bulls? <laughs> no. Well, would you consider running with bulls a sport? Uh, it's depravity, is what it is. There's no commentator with bull with running with the bulls though. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just. What do they do? They just like everybody gets a head start, then they release a bull. I think they release a lot of bulls. God, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's why it's running with the bulls instead of running with the bull. And then they they play that Rage Against Machine song. What would be tied is if they played that Alan Parsons project song that the Chicago Bulls used to come out to. Mm. And then it's just Benny the Bull. Yeah. The guy in a bull suit just chasing everybody and trying to. That's what they need to do next year at Paloma. Uh huh. A guy in a bull suit trying to gore. A guy in a bull suit. Yeah. Chasing a bunch of bulls in human suits. Yeah. You know, put those little tuxedos on them. So. <laughs> and how they do? <laughs> a guy in a bull suit. Like we should do that. We should reverse rodeo. We should have bulls ride humans, and cows get to rope humans. Carry little, little caps. <laughs> yeah, not so fun as an asshole. <laughs> Look, I, yeah. I saw a video the other day, though, of a guy getting stomped. He got, like, Frank Kirkland. Or, uh, Kirk Franklin. <laughs> Frank Kirkland, yeah. Frank Kirkland. <laughs> That's so good. 
It's Kirk Franklin. It was like stomp. Uh, what had, what was the video of? It was a guy. He was, he was he had been riding a bull and he got bucked off immediately. And the bull came down on his leg, and it it basically like severed his fucking foot from his leg. Like it just snapped it in half. Snapped it in half. You got like sinew to where it's just like skin and sinew like holding the foot to the leg yeah and like the rodeo announcer is like basically calling him a bitch <laughs> oh that one's gonna hurt yeah 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 <laughs> maybe you'll stay this on this guy sitting there writhing in pain right. and that bull's thinking that's just life <laughs> motherfucker maybe he saw his mother-in-law in the crowd and you know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah the guy's just like in the worst pain he's ever in and the announcer is just like shitting on him and that's what life is like <laughs> everybody tap dancing on you in your lowest moment yeah Rode- and while two literal clowns are hoisting you up me and you we're life's radio clowns <laughs> yeah. yeah we would be the guys that like put <laughs> panties on hogs and stuff like on like little calves <laughs> me and you dressed up like clowns and just like putting little silk bloomers on baby cows that's the thing like I've I realized my my role in life is not to be a clown like a comedian it's to be a rodeo clown a podcast right <laughs> <laughs> he's a commentator not someone who's an entertainer, but a commentator, but also who's in the ring. Like, I'm in the ring of life. We split the difference between the rodeo clown and the announcer guy. Yeah. Because we do tap dance on people in their lowest moment. I'm, brings, me no, brings me no uh, great pride to say that. That is true. And then we also uh, bring the yuck yucks, I guess. Yeah, sometimes. So. Not always. but no, Not always. Yeah, I tried to. Yeah, I was uh, I was just thinking about that this weekend. As I saw another, I saw a funny thing this weekend. I saw several funny things this weekend. I was in Ohio, uh, and was driving on a back road in Ohio and saw a house that had all these like you know impeach Biden signs out front and a MAGA signs and everything. And I saw one of the signs said, impeach corrupt Joe or something like that. And the one right below it said, tell Nancy Joe's got to go. And it's like, man, are they like... The Nancy Pelosi? They're, they're appealing to Nancy Pelosi now? <laughs> the Nancy Pelosi. Is that the Nancy in question? <laughs> That's the Nancy in question. So they're willing to put aside the fact that they've hated this woman for... Mm-hmm. Years and years and years and years, but if she can somehow get rid of Biden, I think then all's forgiven. I think it's like how, like, when libs tell their people to call your congressman, even if your congressman is like the most genocidal, baby-eating monster, like Rand Paul or something. Yeah, like you, you know what I mean. Like living in Kentucky, people are always like, "Write your senators," and it's like Mitch and Rand. Okay, okay, yeah. It's like I don't know if you understand the fundamental nature of these guys, or just people that tend to join politics in general, but oftentimes they're not um, people that can be reasoned with. Now, I think that might be partially why people like Trump because Trump's not ideological in any way. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got no strong convictions about anything other than himself, you know? And so I think that's part of it. I think that like, I think people are, they're selling on ideology. You think so? Which becomes a kind of ideology. Can't escape it. 
you think we're we're all becoming more like Anthony Oliver? <laughs> no, la- we're a nation of no labels, guys. That's why he's taken off, dude. He's taken <laughs> off because he won't be pigeonholed into one thing or the other. And people, regardless of how they act, you can 95% of the time be a genocidal maniac. But if the other 5%, like you take your niece, you know, to pick wildflowers. Yeah. In this country, that's like, that's good. And that's like, well, he's showing a human side. Right. Yeah. He, 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 he ran through a once proud nation and pillaged the resources. Oh, but he's a watching paint now. Right. I think George did the Hitler trajectory in reverse. He like <laughs> he did all the genocidal stuff and then painted. Right. Like hit it's like no, go Hitler ahead. no. Like you you do the genocidal stuff and then you get to paint. Then you then you get to, then you get accepted into the art world, yeah. <laughs> like I uh I was laughing this weekend thinking about Anthony Oliver like uh what if it turns out, you know how like when he first came out, Matt Walsh and everybody was like, this is real authentic. This is real authentic stuff. Yeah. You know, and it, like, what if it turns out, though, that like. He really is he re- like his main source of information. Like the only thing he's been like, the only way he gets news is from like meet the press rerun, like VH, like taped VHS tapes from like 1995. Yeah, when Chuck Todd left, he was out though. Yeah, like when t- yeah, when they brought Chuck Todd in, they were like but like in that and so like that's the only news he gets. So in that way he really is like a real authentic person. Like he has he's so baby brained pure that like he he really is kind of authentic in a way. Yeah. You know how like um back at the dawn of like these sort of uh I don't know what you would call them, but the uh, sort of tech utopian nootropics, uh, Marcus Aurelius crowd. Yes. You know? Yeah. I remember like when apps were really getting off the ground and getting steam, a lot of these guys advocated for the use of apps that would like put you on an information diet. Oh, yeah. So you would get like the top five headlines of the day based on some kind of algorithm and they would just do like little two sentence briefings of what was going on. Yeah. That's like I think that's where Oliver Anthony cut his teeth. <laughs> I think he was like a Tim Ferriss guy or something. Another life. It's funny. I don't. I don't even want to talk about this guy anymore. But like he keeps, <laughs> he's hard to avoid. Well, I think he's done for now. Like I don't think. I think he got. I think he was at Burning Man, and they, uh, they burned him alive in the man. Oh, so he was like a Wicker Man style sacrifice. Yeah, I think. Okay. I think so. Well, I was just. I th- guess we ain't nothing else to talk about there. Yeah, he's done. I th- I think it's funny though to think about writing your congressman like at this point. Like if you wrote Mitch, you know, because you know, how, like when you write your congressman, like they'll usually send you a letter back. I haven't done it in a while, <laughs> but like back in the day, they used to send you a letter back, like saying like, "Oh, I got your stuff." Imagine you write Mitch and you get a letter back and it's like some crayon drawings and there's some applesauce. <laughs> yeah, like like if they were legally obligated to respond to every letter, that's just part of the job. And Mitch just sends you back like just the most crude, you know, drawing of a dog or something. <laughs> like, and there, yeah, there's obviously some like condensed milk on it or something. 
<laughs> yeah, he spent. <laughs> he spilled like insure <laughs> those like, geriatric protein drinks. You have to eat drink to prevent muscle wasting. Dude, we are so fucking cooked. It's crazy. It's like <laughs> everywhere you look. Like I don't know what's scarier, Mitch in his prime or or Mitch asleep at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's kind of terrifying, you know. I, I like that, se- you know, the second incident that was going around, uh, I guess, a couple of days ago or last week yeah. or something. And he was, um, somebody asked him about running for re-election. He got this big, like, Cheshire cat smile <laughs> on his face right before he saw the demon Pizazu that was going to transport him to the next world. You know, that's still my theory on it. Like, when he's freezing up... It's just there's some demonic entities that are like yeah. kind of taunting him about what's to come, right? And he just like just realizes it was all all in vain. Yeah, <laughs> that he summoned so much evil into this world that like he can't run from it any longer. You can't take it back now. Yeah, but I I, I don't know. My question is, and if he ever like gets any semblance of sentience back uh-huh. I wonder if he's gonna be mad as hell at his staff for like trotting him out there when he was obviously like sundowning or whatever <laughs> the fuck's going on with it like why do they keep bringing him out there if those things keep happening well Vivek is the one who like came up with the isn't he the one that supposedly had the Alzheimer's cure Ramaswamy yeah is he holding he, maybe he's withholding it from Mitch He's like, does he does he claim to have an Alzheimer's cure? That's how he made his millions. I mean, it was a scam. He made his like is like a well, yeah, <laughs> it was a total scam. But he still made millions off of it. That is that is kind of one of the infuriating hallmarks of America is that uh, if you're poor and you're wrong about something <laughs> like a wild hunch you have, it can just be absolutely devastating. You'll get you'll get screamed at in the comments. Yeah, I want to paint a picture. I had, I had permission to share this story. In fact, this person told me to share this story on the show. But I want to just juxtapose what one man's life looks like when he makes a misstep versus what Vivek Ramaswamy's <laughs> life looks like when he makes a misstep. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. <clears throat> this is from a friend of mine who says, Hey, man, I would like to become your all's Joe Dirt. Just come on, tell some crazy stories about my life, and have people asking, who the fuck was that guy? Yeah. And uh, he gave me permission to share this on the show. Okay. So I was needing some money. A guy I knew offered me $75 for every fishing rod I could steal from our Walmart. Now, these these rods are $160 to $300 a piece, so I go in grab three at a time and just carry them out over my sh- over my right shoulder and walk them right out of the Johnson City, Tennessee Walmart. <laughs> I'd take them to the guy, get the money. Well, one Sunday, I had some bad judgment. When it was dead as can be in that Walmart, which I knew not to do that with so few people in there because then security has to watch better, I decided to take three more. Oh, no. They put them in his pants? They're like, sir, that's the biggest boner we've ever seen. The biggest, skinniest uh, boner we've ever seen. Sir, sir, <laughs> you you have the longest but slimmest cock I've ever seen. <laughs> I start walking out the door, and for the first time, the alarms go off. No. I just keep walk. 
I just keep walking and I hear two guys running up behind me saying, Hey man, where's the receipt? Where's the receipt? Right here. I got I got your receipt right here. Yeah, I got your fucking receipt hanging. (laughs) (laughs) I just keep walking and I hear two guys running up behind me asking for the receipt. They kept asking for the receipt. Well, I make it outside and they're fast approaching. They run up to me and grab each of my arms and ask me for a receipt. Uh, somebody should ask Vivek Ramaswamy for a receipt. Right, they should have. Claimed but they forgot disease. to because they have Alzheimer's. That's the scam. <laughs> they get, that is true. That, it's like a... Yeah. If you, if you claim to have a cure for a disease that is inherently forgetful, like you, you can run that scam for a while because people will eventually forget it. Well, there's a reason why there's like a cottage industry of like ripping off like elderly people like via the phone and internet. Totally, totally. We got to grappling each other, shattering the fishing poles. I was trying to get away, but they each had a hold of me. (laughs) They were pulling me apart like some kind of medieval torture (laughs) tactic. He was being broken on the wheel. (laughs) Then I got so nervous, I shit all over myself. I mean, (laughs) my bowels completely emptied. I had shit coming out of the back of my underwear running down my legs. I was screaming, let me go, let me go. I said, I just shit on myself. Let me go. Finally, I was able to elbow both of them and I ran straight to my car. I got in, flopped down in the seat, smearing shit even more everywhere out of my doo-doo ass. I peel out of the parking lot, drive across the main highway, and now I know the cops are coming. People were watching the altercation, and all of them had their phones out, videotaping it, probably going to put it on TikTok or something. Oh, fuck. I knew I couldn't get far in the 1995 Ford Escort granny mobile I was in. So I pull into the park. <laughs> so I pull into the parking lot of a steakhouse, <laughs> park in the back with the kitchen workers, and walk around front. Find the bathroom, I go in the stall, I lock the door, take my pants off and peel the shit-filled underwear off of me. This shit stinks. I couldn't help but puke. <laughs> I throw the dirty undies in the corner and scrap the caked shit off my doo-doo ass and legs. I take toilet water, clean toilet water, <laughs> freshly flushed toilet water, and wipe my ass and legs off. I had two shirts on. I take one off, get it a little wet with some freshly flushed toilet water, and clean up the best I can. I go in the dining area and ask a waiter to use his phone. I call my cousin, tell her where I'm at, and I need a ride. I give the phone back and sit down at the table. A cop walks in, he looks over and walks over to me. He asks me if I'm driving the white station wagon out there. He said, <laughs> I said, no, I'm driving a Harley Davidson, and started chuckling. <laughs> I've never ridden one in my life. <laughs> he tells me to stand up and put my hands behind my back. And I stand up and ask him what I did. He said, stand up. So I stood up. He reached for my hands and I pushed him hard as I could in the chest. <laughs> oh, he falls shit. down and I take off like a rabbit running from a cheetah. I hear him radio for help and hear him saying he's going to taser me. Well, he shot his taser, and as soon as he shot his taser, I run into the kitchen. The floor was wet, so my legs flew up from under me, and I bust my ass on the floor. And the cop thinks he shot me, but he really didn't. (laughs) I get up and take off again. He radios that he missed. He's yelling for help. I'm running around the kitchen trying to find a door. He's yelling for help. Some brave kitchen worker thinks he can catch me, so he approaches me to try to subdue me for the cop. I told him to back the fuck up because I'm crazy. 
<laughs> he comes at me and I send him flying into a tall rack of food. Sixteen pans of freshly cooked dinner rolls come tumbling down over top of both of us. Then I turn and run. Fell again on the slick floor. The cop catches up to me and holds me down with a gun on me. So I settled down and let him handcuff me. When he let me go, I took off toward the exit. <laughs> Somebody must not run the mop out because I fell again on that slick-ass floor. He catches up to me and cusses me all to hell. He marched me out of the restaurant to arrest me. So instead of shoplifting, I'm also charged with assaulting a police officer, assault on two Walmart employees, destruction of property valued at $200, the racks Damn. and the dinner rolls. The racks and, and dinner fleeing. rolls? What? And fleeing and evading. I'm totally screwed now. When they took me to Walmart, I knew that I had to give them a reason for acting so crazy. They got, so they got my man on some Jean Valjean charges. You destroyed the dinner <laughs> rolls? Come on, bro. Those things cost like 10 cents a piece. I told him I was helplessly addicted to drugs, and I sobbed and told him about my kids, and they ended up dropping all the charges except for shoplifting. I did one night in jail and got out. So, damn. Anyway, damn. Uh, damn. Yeah, for for, uh, for poor people, you make a misstep, uh, you end up uh, getting charged for dinner roll crimes. Dinner roll crimes. <laughs> and Vivek Ramaswamy messes up. He can just say, oh, "I did." The the trials weren't what we thought, but you know the damage is done. He's made eighteen million dollars on the backs of people trying to get their loved ones back. Right. I ask you, dear listener, which one's worse? Right. <laughs> I agree. Dude, I mean, like, we, just, like, in every conceivable way, we're so fucked. I went to this store today. I went to Food City today. And not only do they not have at-home COVID tests, the pharmacist looked at me like I was an insane person just for asking about them. They like COVID acted like I say. fucking inconvenienced him or something. <laughs> it's just, COVID test, you say? What is this, pal? What do you think this is, pal? Twenty nineteen. <laughs> it's just like the I like I've wondered this for a while. Like this, like part this intrinsic part of the American psyche, like their tendency of um Americans to detest history. Like we fucking hate it. We hate history in every conceivable way, which is ironic because it is like, weirdly enough, one of the sort of battle arenas in which all this insane stuff is playing out. Like I saw that like Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma just signed a new thing with like PragerU to like introduce PragerU uh, videos and shit into their curriculum. Like into the public school curriculum? (laughs) Yes, Yes, dude. Oh my god, dude! The uh, I'm excited to announce this initiative with PragerU Kids today. These additional resources will help ensure quality instruction in American history and values. Um, yeah, that's Oklahoma, and then there's like, I think they're already doing this in like Florida and Texas and stuff. All of which is to say, I've been wondering for a while, like how long, like our loathing of history will catch up with us and it's like very obvious that it's happening right now because everyone i know i know i've mentioned this before but like most everyone is trying to immediately forget the not only the pandemic 
but all, like also all of the like the political prerogatives and imperatives that were placed on us during the pandemic and like all of the weird sort of phenomena that manifested as a result of it and it's happening right now it's like our our like absolute uh like um insistence on moving forward and not in any way doing any reflection or any kind of uh you know a, a sober analysis or processing of what happened it's just now getting to the point where it's like i mean i don't know i don't really know anything about this new strain of covid but let's say for let's say if it was just as as like brutal and awful as what delta delta was a pretty bad one I mean, or that first wave there that killed a bunch yeah. of people. Yeah. It's like we just are setting ourselves up for like a even worse fatality <laughs> than the first several well, rounds. What we are is a nation of people that uh, don't want to be inconvenienced until we absolutely have to be. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. We don't deal with problems head on. We let them fester and become big problems. And I mean, hell, I think that's by design. I think like we need to intentionally create bigger problems so uh, people will have something to fundraise on. Nobody, we're a country that says we want things to be better, but we don't really want things to be better because if things got better, it would like cripple the majority of our economy, which is like the wishful thinking economy. Totally. Like the one day it'll be better economy. Right, (laughs) right, right. You know what I mean? This is why the Democrats are like, purposefully obfuscate things and and you know we've talked about this plenty over the years but how that they are what the bible would call the authors of confusion you know why because if they actually did politics and made things better they're afraid they would render themselves obsolete Uh (laughs) so instead what they're going to do is they're going to slow walk us into the biggest catastrophe probably since like world war ii the last thing many of us will see before we are led to our death by firing squad, if we're lucky, <laughs> is a fundraising pill in our emails. <laughs> I was be. telling you, we're going to be cast right into the jaws of Moloch, and the last thing we're going to see is is um, uh, Connor Lamb needs five dollars so we can flip Pennsylvania. Or something like that. Or not even him. Uh, fucking, who's the worst offender? I'm just like, I've just been thinking about this, like, because <clears throat> there's like several things that have happened this week that are all so indicative of, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to name it. I don't want to like, like put like a prognosis on it until I've kind of like laid it out. But like, Okay. First step, you've got the sentencing of that, what is this, Enrique Torrio guy or whatever, the Proud Boy guy. Yeah, the Proud Boys later. Yeah, he got like 22 years, which I find interesting. I find it, I find very fascinating that like, okay, by definition, these guys are political prisoners, like by definition. I'm not saying that like they deserve our sympathy or whatever. That's a whole other question. I'm just saying that like, objectively speaking, they targeted the state, and the state targeted them back. And, yeah. and generally, states are very good at identifying. I've just been thinking about this because I've been reading a lot about like the history of the Balkans and like Yugoslavia. It's like generally, states are very good at identifying the people that threatened their hegemony, their their continued existence. 
And yeah. the fact that they're like, I mean, they're locking these dudes up for a long fucking time. Like, that tells me, like, they're pretty, they, this isn't like them. They have to make an example out of them, lest, lest somebody else pop up and say, oh, well, we could do this and just get a slap on the wrist. Why don't we just take a swing at it? Totally. Yeah, and and then you've got that you've got that at the same during the same week that these charges come down on the cop city protesters, um, the fucking RICO charges, right? So it's like, and then like you read the indictment itself. The indictment is very insane. The indictment basically, you know, in in summary, basically like it it like lays out the definition of like anarchism. And like talks about like mutual aid, and it kind of identifies like mutual aid and quote social solidarity as ex- so. There's like a little like a little primer on these various left wing movements right there in the indictment. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it, well, if you, to take it even further, it's basically identifying those things as criminal conspiracy. Does that make sense? Yeah, like you're doing RICO offense. You saw, like, basically, if you identify as an anarchist, they're trying to do RICO on anarchism. Correct. On a, on a, like, an ideology that is... On an idea. Yeah, on an idea that is, like... What's next, man? Are we going to do RICO on the parrot heads? Like, (laughs) Jimmy Buffett passes last week, and, like, now we're going to have to... We're going to charge him as a criminal conspiracy for fucking... I don't know. Fucking not showing up to work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that uh I guess where the I'm co- going with the this- Kiwanis, the Rotary Club. Right, right. Are we all are we all subject to Rico charges? I mean, dude, you I guess yeah, like where do you draw the line? Cuz like after like a flood, obviously we were doing mutual aid. But like, do all those like church groups who are also doing like volunteer work are they mutual aid? Is that Rico stuff? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Why are uh, you gonna go after the Vatican for those nuns that, uh, you know, that hopped the fence there at Oak Ridge that are still in prison over that? Right. You know, is that a criminal conspiracy? Like, that I'm telling you, man, this new DA in Atlanta's got to fucking go. She's fucking insane. <laughs> Oh, it's insane, dude. It's absolutely insane. And I think the point is, the point I'm trying to make is that like one of these two groups, you've got like the Stop Cop City people on one side and the Proud Boys and the other people who stormed the Capitol on the, on the other side. One of these two groups enjoys the benefit of if their man gets voted into office, they'll just get pardoned and let out of jail. Yeah, no one right. will ever, ever let the Cop City protesters or anybody out of jail. Oh, no, man. You know what I'm saying? Like that's completely forbidden. It's not. It's not ever happening. Aaron made a point on the Patreon this weekend. It was like they were trying to spin like the Trump indictments. They were like uh, a city with a black mayor and a black DA, and it took all this to finally bring Trump down. With no mention of the other shit that's reprehensible that she's doing you know right the young thug stuff <laughs> going after re- after record labels right going after protesters like the fuck out of here you know i think it's the natural i think it's honestly just the natural trajectory of things if you look at crime if you look at like the definition of crime obviously there are some things that are you know should be pun- punishable offenses 
and like you talk about like abolitionism how those things get punished that's a whole separate issue that's a whole separate issue but but yeah nobody supports uh just uh letting people hurt other people like with reckless abandon yeah but like if you talk about like the drug war and specifically like other quote-unquote crimes of quote-unquote poverty which basically put another way framed another way it's just the criminalization of like survival strategies right i guess it would make sense that eventually they would then extend that logic to mutual aid or anything like that because those things are also survival strategies and (laughs) i don't know in a in a world that is increasingly precarious for from climate and from all these other sort of quote-unquote exogenous shocks even though they're not exogenous they're internal to the system they're gonna like they're gonna identify constituencies within those societies that they can uh you know punish as a pretense for shoring up their own base of bases of support and security and uh i don't know man I, granted they still got to prove this in court this is just an indictment they've still got to prove all this in court but like i don't know it seems like a very a very uh bad sign of where things are hitting yeah that's not uh not promising so the least yes yeah, sir um I don't know. Let me, uh, I wanted to, I just read an article before we got on here. Maybe we can read it. It's kind of, it's a little long, but I think we can read it pretty fast. Um, maybe it's in that vein. This is in the Washington Post. Highways are the next anti-abortion target. One Texas town is resisting. Uh, so, like, I'm familiar with, like, every town in this story, in some way (laughs) like have had some you know interaction with this particular town is Lano Texas where I once got swarmed by fire ants so bad that my foot swelled up so big I couldn't fit it in my shoe (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a metaphor never went back never went back um this is in Lano Okay, so I'm just going to read here. No one could remember the last time so many people had packed into City Hall. As the meeting began on a late August evening, residents spilled out into the hallway, the brim of one cowboy hat kissing the next, each person jostling for a look at the five city council members who would decide whether to make Lano the third city in Texas to outlaw what some anti-abortion activists call abortion trafficking. Is, is Lano really one of those towns that really kind of a cowpoke town? Yeah, it's like an hour, hour and a half outside of Austin. And I used to have to drive through it every time I went back to New Mexico. Oh, okay. So it's like you, you have to basically go through it if you're going toward, if you're going. I think, we, I think we need to do that kind of cosplay in the mountains. Like I think we, like when they write this article about Whitesburg, it was uh, raccoon tail. <laughs> it was touching raccoon tail and all the raccoon. Like we, we all just wore raccoon skin caps. Yeah, and like squirrel rifles. Ratty overalls and bare feet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the, uh, for well over an hour, the people of Lano, a town of about 3,400 deep in Texas Hill Country, approached the podium to speak out against abortion. While the procedure was procedure was now illegal across Texas, people were still driving women on Lano roads to reach abortion clinics in other states. They said their city had a responsibility to fight the murders. 
The cheers after each speech grew louder as the crowd readied for the vote. Then one woman on the council spoke up. I feel like there's a lot more to discuss about this, said Laura Almond, a staunch conservative who owns a consignment shop in the middle of town. I have a ton of questions, she said. More than a year after Roe v. Wade was overturned, many conservatives have grown frustrated by the number of people able to circumvent anti-abortion laws, with some advocates grasping for even stricter measures they hope will fully eradicate abortion nationwide. Anti-abortion advocates behind the measure are targeting regions along interstates and in areas with airports, with the goal of blocking off the main arteries out of Texas and keeping pregnant women hemmed within the confines of their anti-abortion state. These provisions have already passed in two counties and two cities, creating legal risk for those traveling on major highways, including I-20. So basically they're trying to sequester pregnant women until they have the back. That dude is fucking... Dog, we're heading... I like, 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 okay, so what if you were like, say, like a pregnant woman that was legitimately going to go on vacation or something, but one of your neighbors said, no, you know, I think they did. Not that that's... Good. I just, that's just so insane to me. I feel like we are heading back... Well, like, I'll just read this next sentence. This is from this... this part of this article, a large part of this article profiles this specific guy named Mark Lee Dixon. He's an anti-abortion activist, and he like travels all around Texas trying to get these small towns to implement these quote-unquote anti-abortion trafficking laws or whatever. This guy's a fucking loser. You should see pictures of him. He's probably younger than us. Is he that lawyer that like takes all those cases up to the Supreme Court? He might be a lawyer. I don't think he is. I think he's just maybe that's like maybe that's an older dude. I think he's just an activist. He everywhere he goes, he wears like jeans, a black blazer, and a backwards baseball cap. And he's got like the stupidest fucking beard you've ever dude, he's a fucking loser. Um this quote from him, he says, This really this really is building a wall to stop abortion trafficking, said Mark Lee Dixon, the anti abortion activist. So it's like, I I know we've said this on the show. I know a big debate right now is over this question of like techno-neo-feudalism, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I'm not a person that thinks that like, okay, yeah, we're going back to feudal times. Maybe we are, maybe we are. I don't know. <laughs> but I do think you can say one thing for certain. We are living in a world that is increasingly more and more obsessed with walls. Like this yeah. is, this is a simple, not only as like a, a functional object on the landscape, but as a symbol. So it's like everywhere you look, it feels like more and more walls are being put up for various measures, whether to like keep refugees in or out, whether to keep people from having abortions. uh, Or those immaterial walls, like bureaucratic hurdles to progress. (laughs) Or the immaterial ones. (laughs) Tariffs. Trade tariffs. Which is fascinating. I find it fascinating because one of the major initiatives, one of the major effects of quote-unquote neoliberalism was the tearing down of quote-unquote walls. Like this was baked into it from the very beginning. After, like, you know, we've talked about it before in that book Neoliberalism, Quinn Slobodian. Like, 
these neoliberals, Hayek and von Mises and everything, got together and looked at the world after World War One and saw a world of tariffs and tariff walls and nationalities. World War One was like the great nation-forming war. You know what I mean? Like state formation. They they had even visualized this with complex maps of the world that had they like literally built these maps with walls and like the height of the wall corresponded with the uh rate of tariffs that each nation state implemented and part of neoliberalism was breaking that down <clears throat> was making like a confederated global space where you didn't need those things and it definitely seems like now that neoliberalism has, I don't know, is kind of the the juices run out of it to a certain extent. We're returning yeah. back to that in some ways. Uh-oh. I'm thinking about this. Just think about the ways in which our lives have been defined by walls. My earliest memory is seeing the Berlin Wall come down. Come down. Yes, <laughs> the op- I mean? right, right, right. Like at the, th- that was probably the height, like the apogee of neoliberal you know world order i know it was like about this contest between quote-unquote communism and capitalism but like that was the defining imagery of our youth now it is becoming it is like it's a reverse trend now now it's like walls are going up everywhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like yeah it was like this bringing that one down was like this great symbol of freedom and now it's like okay we're, we're we're far enough away from the cold war uh, or at least that part of it. Uh, now let's start putting them up. Right, right. And so that's, I just think that that's interesting. That's just again, where when people get into these debates, like is neoliberalism over? Is it whatever? It's like, well, maybe it's premature premature to say what it is and what we're currently in and what's next. But you can't argue with the fact that walls are going up everywhere. Like that is just a fact of modern existence. Whether it's fucking Europe. Or America, at least in the West, anyways, that seems to be a trend that is increasingly common in the West. It's like they're they're quite literally. I know literally is overused, but they're quite literally trying to box us in and then teach us alternative histories and stuff. You look at what's going on in Florida, what you just mentioned in Oklahoma. This is a country that is founded off these like create like weird creation myths. And we're going to go back to that. Like there's going to be kids that that are going to actually believe with their whole hearts that uh, slavery didn't exist. And George Washington cut down a cherry tree because he couldn't tell a lie or whatever. Oh, dude, the the Prager U video. The Prager U video that that went viral a few weeks ago, like this is the kind of shit they're now teaching in like Oklahoma, like Florida. That was like the video was like, if I remember correctly, Frederick Douglass basically saying that slavery was necessary to starting the American experiment, like the the whole American republic. Nah. It's just like, OK, maybe there is some truth to that, but not in the way you th- say it is. I mean, like, yeah, OK, like America is poisoned, like, right, like we can probably we could probably confidently say that by this point, like the whole concept. I don't know. I've really kind of been like going into the weeds and like reading some people who, you know, try to recuperate the, some leftists who like try to recuperate the idea of America as a kind of like like believe in the better angels of the nature of the, of the, our founding ideals. Yeah. 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 Guys like Chris Catrone and stuff like that. And like, I think that like 
there are like parts of the national vision that like is historically progressive and and we shouldn't shy away from those and should like use those and it's like yeah i would agree with you if anybody actually likes this piece of shit anymore but like even the conservatives fucking hate america now like remember trump a few, <laughs> remember trump a few weeks ago was like um I I'd rather be in I'd rather be in Italy. I'd ra- I hate this place. I'd rather be, I'd rather just be in Italy. <laughs> like yeah, dude, everybody fucking hates America. Like I don't it's know. Cool. Well, I mean everybody's ta- it, it is true. Everybody's taking everything out of it and everything that that makes it special has been so homogenized and and seriously, I mean you go to fucking Charlotte nowadays, you might as well be in Indianapolis. You might as well be in fucking grand rapids like you know it's just like america has contributed two important things to human civilization and human history music and film you know what i mean that's it we can we can stop there we can stop it's like (laughs) we had the best music of any of anyone and we basically created film here i mean you can quibble with that a little bit but like we kind of created it Granted, the first films were racist. <laughs> like, dude, the I nation was, shit, but I was oh my god, dude! I was watching some. I was watching this uh, video of Billy Friedkin after he died from like 2013. He was talking about how much he loved Birth of the Nation. I was like, I'm just not going to go any further with this. I'm not. <laughs> I just best just watch. not to know <laughs> what your heroes really think, you know. <laughs> um. Okay, I got sidetracked. Um, back to the article. Conservative lawmakers started exploring ways to block interstate abortion travel long before Roe was overturned. A Missouri legislator introduced a law in early 2022 that would have allowed any private citizen to sue anyone who helped a Missouri resident secure an abortion. Uh, an approach later discussed blah, blah, blah. In April, Idaho became the first state to impose criminal penalties on anyone who helps a minor leave the state for an abortion. But even in the most conservative corners of Texas, efforts to crack down on abortion travel are meeting some resistance with some local officials, even those deeply supportive of Texas's strict abortion laws, expressing concern that trafficking efforts could go too far. Trafficking efforts go too far and could harm their communities. <laughs> that is that is kind of the thing. It's probably why you'll never see that in like Appalachia. It's just like some of these towns like literally depend on the interstate being in their town. <laughs> like if if you just started arresting everybody who drove through town, like no one would fucking drive through anymore and like you wouldn't have your gas stations in Hardee's. Yeah. No, I mean it would it would fuck everything up. <laughs> that's why like when some of these towns are speed trap towns, I wonder like that's kind of a bold a bold play. Right. <laughs> um the pushback reflects a new t- point of tension in the post-Roe debate among anti-abortion advocates over how aggressively to restrict the procedure, with some Republicans in other states fearing a backlash from voters who support abortion rights. In small-town Texas, the concerns are more practical than political. Two weeks before the Lano vote, lawmakers in Chandler, Texas, held off passing the ordinance. I believe we're making a mistake if we do this, said Chandler Council member Janice Lunsford. Um, blah blah blah. Then came the city council, Lano City Council meeting on August twenty first. Speaking to the crowd, Almond was careful to emphasize her anti-abortion beliefs. I hate abortion, she said. I'm a Jesus lover, like all of you in here. Still, she said she couldn't help thinking about the time in college when she picked up a friend from an abortion clinic, and how someone might have tried to punish her under this law. It's overreaching, she said. We're talking about people here. 
Um, it is interesting that, I don't know, it's pointless to point out the hypocrisies of Christians, right? <laughs> but it's like, it is interesting that uh, uh, basically you are making... You're, I don't know, you're making it illegal any way to even interface with those people. Granted, maybe that's for the best. I don't know. It's like if you were going to get an abortion, I don't know what's worse. I don't know what's worse, like having, like getting arrested and having to go to jail for that or getting kidnapped by Christians and preached at for three days about the sins. I guess that's the thing. I guess bo- they're doing both now. Oh, dude, I'll never forget going to an abortion clinic in college uh, with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and you park in the parking garage, and before you know it, you're swarmed by these little fucking, sir, don't do this, sir, this is the worst decision of your life, and I was like, like, they just like, you know what I mean, and it was just so fucking, just a disorienting experience, and I still fantasize about going back there and turning them all into paste. But. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know what this would basically do. Is someone mentioned it on Twitter, but I do genuinely feel like the RICO charges they hit those cop city protesters with will eventually start getting applied to to this stuff to to people who are helping people get abortions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People are gonna have to, people are gonna start getting hit with fucking RICO charges over just helping out their fucking neighbor. It's like, yeah. I don't know. It's like, it's it really is a very strange and terrifying concept because like when you really get down to it, like what's the line there? Because ostensibly, couldn't you even apply that to like paying taxes? You know what I mean? Like who builds roads then? Is build is road building mutual aid? I mean, it is kind of in a way. Like what if we what if we like raise those concerns like what if let's rico the united states military if you want to talk about a fucking criminal conspiracy <laughs> dude the every police department in fucking america needs to have rico totally unironically needs to be rico 100 <laughs> percent um okay so earlier how i said that this this article profiles this fucking loser piece of shit dixon guy about a month earlier, Dixon had arrived in Lano with a urgent warning. A, quote, baby-murdering cartel was coming for the pregnant women of Central Texas, he recalled telling a group of about 25 Lano citizens in the town library wearing his signature. We are the dumbest society, dude. We are, we're dumber when, like, some fucking dirty ball cap fucking neck beard is viewed as this oracle, like this Paul Revere figure. You know what I mean? Over, it makes like the people that used to consult the Oracle like seem like sane by comparison, you know? Right, like the concept that a baby murdering cartel is coming for the town's pregnant women. Oh my god, it's so fucking crazy. It's like, man, that really just bums me out more than anything that like otherwise sane normal loving caring people just believe the absolute dumbest shit these days i know and like just this the symbolism of that it's it's so uh sort of redolent or resonant of back in the george floyd protests when 
there was all these moral panic scares in small towns that hordes of Antifa super soldiers were coming to town. You know what yeah. I mean? That like yeah. that is in and of itself is a fascinating illustration of this impulse or drive towards walled off terrains that like communities, municipalities, whatever you want to call them are heading in the direction of more and more sort of uh, boundary making, uh, community formation and securitization of those boundaries that like you have yeah. this image of like this image that's been with humans since the Roman empire, even, even earlier than that, since the fucking Babylonians or whatever of roving gangs, roving hordes, like in the countryside coming through the city wall, streaming in and sacking the village. But in our case, it's not even real. It's entirely fabricated. It's entirely made up. It's completely <laughs> fucking, it's fiction. It's, it's just, it's fucking mind boggling. Just like, just like going back, just like, tr like truly, like obviously like any leftist, like you just fantasize about being able to go back in time to talk to Marx and be like, oh man, you wouldn't fucking believe what they believe. You wouldn't believe what what they've done with ideology, man. They are cooking in 23. It's like, dude, <laughs> they reinvented the Tartars and the like, you know, the fucking Visigoths, the but Visigoths they're, not even, they're and, not even real. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like... Just bewildered, <laughs> and and like yeah. there, I think that the like there is a kind of real anxiety at the root of this, in the sense that like I do think that part of what motivates this, and this is ideology, this is how ideology works. Like you don't really necessarily realize that you're acting on it consciously, but American birth rates are going down, right? just like there are all across the West in general, capitalism is a system that requires eternal growth, not just minimal growth. It has to be pretty robust. It can't be this 2% yeah. growth we're fucking around with. Like, no, this Mickey Mouse bullshit. Yeah. We, need, we need real expansion, baby. Which means that you have to, like your, your um, rates of actual reproduction, biological reproduction, have to keep up with the rate of social reproduction of the growth, the expansion of the system. And so if less and less people are having kids, you have to fucking, you have to uh, source those labor inputs from somewhere. Where are those going to be? They're either going to be immigrants or they're going to be children. So that would make sense why they're fucking passing child labor or re repealing child labor laws, why they're repealing anti-abortion. You know what I'm saying? Like, or while they're while they're while they're appeal, appealing, repealing abortion, uh, access and all this, it's because like I feel like they're trying to like widen that again. I don't think that they're doing this consciously. I don't think that they're looking at GDP growth and birth rates and all this stuff. I think that it's been kind of like processed through the sausage maker of ideology, and this is bit what's come out the other side. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's and under that same logic, it's easy to see how people could run with the idea of, particularly after like you know, after the lockdowns were kind of letting up a little bit during COVID, that 
people started saying stuff like our human capital stock. Right. Talking about us like we were cows, like by the same logic that, you know, if you're a little more conspiratorial thinking, it makes sense that under these conditions, you could jump to the conclusion that that, that was a big liquidation event. Totally. <laughs> you know, particularly older people that aren't producing as much value in society by, you know, by in a capitalist society. I mean, not that that older folks don't have anything to contribute. Well, that's, that's another true. thing that, that happened after the pandemic. You had a mass resignation. I think they even aren't economists even calling it that like the sort of great resignation that like you like when like, yeah, like where, yeah. A couple of weeks after all these late, these like people quitting their jobs and stuff like now you could go work. What was a minimum wage job for $15 an hour or something. And then it just laid bare everything like, Oh, so y'all were just like making all that shit up about the economic reasons that you can't yeah. pay people more. Well, I think <clears throat> there's two things here. Well, okay. Let me just say that, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, five or six million people dropped out of the labor force, the workforce after the pandemic. A lot of them were people who just retired early, who, 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 or who could have retired and were just kind of hanging on. And the pandemic, they were just like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going. Then I was like, I was at a wedding this past weekend. And I was like, sitting, it was late at night. And I was like sitting at the fire across from this guy who's like a small business owner. And he was talking to another guy. And I guarantee you, I, you don't even have to say anything else. I guarantee he said something to the effect of you just can't find anybody. Nobody wants to work anymore. But both that he said, I can't find anybody that doesn't want to work anymore. That doesn't want to work anymore. And employers have too much. Employees have too much leverage now. They have the gun to your head. They can bargain for higher wages. Yeah. That's all stuff that came out of the debacle that was COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That we're all trying to forget, by the way. Didn't happen. But none right. of that two, three, two, three years ago. Didn't happen. We're trying Never to forget happened. that. <laughs> what do you think that does to a national psyche when like you've got all these fucking material and economic consequences of it? But you're also at the same time try actively trying to forget it. What kind of fantasia yeah. do you think that fucking and hundreds of thousands of people dead, you know, to, yeah. just like, you know, right. like the rap, like the fucking rapture happened or something. Um, I think a million. Didn't a million people die in America? Didn't yeah. we have the highest rate fatality rate? I think like Italy and some of those other places. But yeah, we were just, yeah, it was just brutal. And. It's funny that the the that I, I hear that I go to. I can't tell you how many times a day I hear somebody say nobody wants to work anymore. And it's like, who's who's popping that over the loudspeakers like while you're sleeping and doing like subliminal messaging? You know, the, I mean, that's what it's like. Thing is, it's like America is a society, like as a society, <laughs> you know, like uh, the little flickering things they used to put at the top right hand corner of movies. It was like, oh, go get you some popcorn. Go get, right. you, you know, it's like subliminal right. advertising. Right. We are a nation of just subliminal advertising. The funny thing is, is that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, employment is so fucking high right now that they tried to engineer a recession to make it lower. To make it lower, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, nobody wants to work anymore, so much so that uh, they're trying to get people not to work. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because that's the gun to to the south, small business owner's head. Like, that's yeah. the fascinating thing. You've got two contradictory ideas there. I mean, is it any wonder that, like, you've got guys like this fucking Dixon idiot, like, you know, riding into town, like, they're murdering, baby murdering cartels are coming to kill. It's like, what the fuck? 
are you talking I'd about? I'd stuff this fucker in a locker if I was in fucking Lano, Texas. <laughs> he uh he said by trains, planes, and automobiles, I say we end abortion trafficking in the state of Texas. He brought along a laminated map of the state, black and red, Sharpie marking each of the 51 jurisdictions across Texas that had passed ordinances to become what he calls a, quote, sanctuary city for the unborn. He hoped Lano would be the next place to pass the newest version of the ordinance outlawing abortion trafficking. A director of Right to Life of East Texas, Dixon joined forces with... Okay, so he, he doesn't even live in Lano. He's just one of these fucking nonprofit morons who like works at a make work nonprofit right to life of East Texas who like goes around astroturfing campaigns to get them to pass shit like this in small towns. Uh, oh my god, dude. Uh let's see. Blah blah blah. The Texas ordinances relied on the novel enforcement mechanism that empowers private citizens to sue creating the model for the statewide heartbeat ban that took effect exactly two years ago on September 1st, 2021. Since Roe fell, triggering a new ban that outlawed almost all abortions in Texas, Dixon has changed the strategy. Along with passing ordinances in conservative border towns and Democrat states, where abortion providers may look to open new clinics, the team has zeroed in on those helping women leave Texas for abortions, a practice they call abortion trafficking. Um... Abortion trafficking. Abortion trafficking. Um, while the term trafficking typically refers to people who are forced, tricked, or coerced, Dixon's definition applies to all people seeking abortions because, he argues, the unborn child is always taken against their will. Dog, no, they are not. They, You, you are not taken against your will unless you had... A wheel to begin with. (laughs) Like, dude, if I was fucking killed, if I was aborted, I would not know it. You stupid fucking bastard. My first memory uh, is uh, the Berlin, some of my earliest memories, the Berlin Wall coming down, which I was like four or five years old when that happened. Exactly, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't like that, which is further evidence that I think abortion should be legal until a child is three years old. I mean, seriously, dude, like literally you have to have a will, a sentience to begin with to know that you're going to fucking die. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even think I was aware that I was going to die until I was, yeah, probably four or five, something like that. Oh, my God. Um, The law, which has the public backing of 20 state legislators, is designed to go after abortion funds organizations that give financial assistance to people seeking abortions as well as individuals. For example, Dixon said a husband who doesn't want his wife to get an abortion could threaten to sue the friend who offers to drive her under the ordinance. The women seeking the abortion would be exempt from any punishment that that is. um, I feel like that is also why these assholes are uh, once again, pushing for um, repeal of no fault divorce laws. That is another sort of like is that one of their yeah that's another pet things yes that they're put they're pushing for the repeal of no fault divorce uh God. incredible um abor- abortion rights advocates say the ordinance effort is merely a, pl- a ploy to scare people blah 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 um while these restrictions appear to violate the U.S. Constitution they are extremely difficult to challenge in court. 
Because the laws can be enforced by any private citizen, abortion rights groups have no clear government official to sue in a case seeking to block the law. Is that what we're coming to? Walls and every fucking person deputized to implement them? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Won't that eventually run into the police, though, who like really insist on their own monopoly? Dude, I want to tell you something. First day I go back to Wattsburg, and one of those little fuckers that hang out at that... Uh arcade joint <laughs> tries to do a citizen's arrest of me I swear to god I'm going to throw one of those fuckers in the north fork <laughs> Jesus um, I've had enough of these motherfuckers Jesus fucking Christ this is why you can't give some people any attention that's true fucking ugh. Um, when Dixon first came to town to drum up interest Councilwoman Allman was well aware of his endeavors She'd seen his flyer advertising the effort to protect Lano residents from abortion across state lines. Um, she's, she said she was thankful when Roe was overturned. A 57-year-old former elementary school teacher, she voted twice for Trump and says she plans to vote for him again. Her friends call her a pistol-packing mama. This is the good person in this story, by the way. This Dude, is the person. You, yeah, this is this is the voice. A pistol packing mama is the voice <laughs> raising this story. Dude, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm so fed up with the the South as a as a lifestyle brand. <laughs> Dude, me too. I mean, it's so it's just gotta fucking go. The gratuitous y'all, all this stupid bullshit. I'm reading this story, or not the story. This book called "How Kentucky Became Southern" by this woman, Mary Jean uh, Wall who was a horse racing rider for the Herald Leader for a number of years, but it's it, it deals with with the idea of how Kentucky got its characteristics through the lens of horse racing and then like the history of it. Right. But like it's a bigger historical thesis and she talks about like basically Kentucky was not even a southern state. It was kind of thought of as like a western frontier. It's like kinda of like the idea of Kentucky in the time just before the Civil War was like as this sort of wild backwater where people looked like Daniel Boone but uh-huh. acted like violently and right. <laughs> shit like that. It wasn't like that genteel Southern vibe at all. And after the war, and you know, I mean, there's this cliche that Kentucky was the only state that, that sided with the Confederacy after it had fallen. <laughs> After the war, we decided to cast our lot with the South, mostly because to bolster the horse racing industry. So we started creating all these myths about like the Southern plantation owner and like the Colonel Sanders archetype. Right. All this. It's all a fiction. Right. It's like, there was slavery for sure. Right. But like, like the idea that like Kentucky was like the antebellum South was a fucking is a myth. It's it was, a joke. I mean, it's it the fact, the fact of its dividedness it's like being torn between two sort of competing visions of a capitalist future is best i is best embodied in lincoln you know what i'm saying totally totally well i mean it's it's interesting that the two guys at bat here in this in the civil war jefferson davis and abraham lincoln both Both, kentucky both from kentucky yeah (laughs) yep um Let's see. Uh, since hearing about the proposed ordinance, Allman said she'd been wondering whether Lano really needed to further restrict abortion. She worried the tor- term abortion trafficking was confusing. It sounds like more of a slave situation, she said. <laughs> it was not clear if some of the proposed ordinance's most ardent, propon- ardent proponents in Lano understood what it sh- would do. 
While the language of the draft ordinance explicitly states that it would apply to people transporting any individual for the purpose of providing or obtaining an elective abortion, said the mayor, Marion Bishop, the term abortion trafficking did not apply to women who were choosing to get abortions of their own free volition. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um... So then we go back to the council meeting. The whispers in the back of the city hall grew louder as the crowd realized that Allman would not be voting as they had expected. Laura can't do this by herself, said an advocate for the ordinance, leaning over to the other people in her row. She needs someone to second. There's still a chance. Then the other woman on the council, Kara Gilliland, chimed in with her own hesitations. I'm not for abortions, and that's my personal belief, but I cannot sit up here knowing that there are 3,400 other citizens in this town who don't have the same belief necessarily as i do four of the five members of the city council voted to table the ordinance you can be mad at me if you want to Almond said but i've got to sleep with myself at night coming through the ordinance that morning and when i sleep <laughs> I, trust me i keep that thing on me <laughs> i'm a pistol pack i'm a pistol packing mama <laughs> coming through the ordinance that morning Almond said in an interview she scribbled furious notes in the margins she feared the law's civil enforcement mechanism would turn members of the Lano community against each other. While she'd supported the implementation of the Texas heartbeat ban, which relied on the same provision, she said she hadn't given much thought to how that could pit neighbor against neighbor. Now it was her job to peel the layers, and she didn't like where the law could lead. As the city council moved on to other matters, Dixon ushered the angry crowd out to the porch. The ordinance was tabled, he reminded the audience, not dead. Is this the city council of Austin, or is this the city council of conservative Lano, Dixon said. This is far from over. Show up, there, show up at their businesses with some signs. I know where Laura works, offered the wife of a local pastor. Um, Dixon recalled what happened in Odessa, a far larger city in West Texas, that failed to advance an earlier version of a sanctuary city. With help from abortion, anti-abortion residents, he said to the group, some of the city council members who opposed the Od- measure were ultimately voted out of office. Now Odessa, Odessa has a six-to-one majority. Now Bedussi. <laughs> now Bedussi has a six-to-one majority that this is in favor of, Dixon said. I can't talk today. It's too hot. Um, anyways, it goes on to talk about Dixon going to the next town, Mason, Texas, where he... Uh, also tries to do the same thing, and and he succeeds, basically. But that's the end of the story. So, anyways, um, you know, if you live in Bedissi, Texas, uh, be careful. Watch out for these black blazered neck beard guys. Oh man! Right into town like Paul Revere style. Oh, man. I just thought I found it to be an interesting story because it got at something that I found to be very fascinating, which was that these assholes, and again, this is a trite point, been been reiterated over and over again ever since the midterms last year. But I found it to be interesting because it just kind of shows how these assholes all believe in this abstractly, right? Like hypothetically. But like when push comes to shove... Some of them get a little, uh, they get a little weak in the knees because then they're like, "Oh, I supported the heartbeat ban, but I didn't realize that it was going to deputize everyone, every Texas citizen, to basically track yeah, down." Yeah, a little buyer's remorse. Right, exactly. Um, 
And it's just, I just find that to be an interesting thing because it just shows how America, and I'm just, I'm sure it's like this in every Western capitalist democracy, but it just kind of shows how like America really does like distort and pervert your sense of morality. It just completely turns around. It makes you inhuman. It like truly malleable too. Yeah. Yeah. It compels you to do inhuman things. And I think that's a very depressing, I don't know, it brings us kind of full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning, but it is like, it really compels you to do (laughs) just like anti, not not just anti-social, but inhuman acts against your fellow man. Yeah. Well, um, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. I have a, I do have something I wanted to address Last week we did an episode on the situation at WVU. There have been some updates since then. Uh, specifically one that just happened today. This was sent to me by Bethany, who we had on the show last week. Um, she said, Today the faculty assembly passed resolutions with greater than 700 votes each of no confidence in Gordon Gee and asking to freeze the transformation, the academic transformation, like the whole budgetary process. The Board of Governors released a statement linked below basically saying that they couldn't care less about what the professors think. Um, She said, as far as I'm aware, totally disregarding a faculty assembly vote like this is unprecedented at WVU. Um, Anyways, the the statement is astonishing. Um, It says, West Virginia University Board of Governors appreciates the faculty members who shared their perspectives at today's university faculty assembly meeting regarding consideration of a no-confidence resolution for E. Gordon Gee. We acknowledge the passage of these votes. The Board of Governors unequivocally supports the leadership of President Gee and the strategic repositioning of of WVU and rejects the multiple uh, examples of misinformation that inform these resolutions. Misinformation. Incredible. The university is transforming to better reflect the needs of today, and we must continue to act boldly. President Gee has shown time and again he is not afraid to do the difficult work required. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Holy fuck. That is incredible. Misinformation. What's the misinformation? Act boldly. (laughs) No, I know like it's people like, losing their jobs. I guess yeah, it's a matter yeah, of record. It's literally just the facts. There's no fucking <laughs> misinformation. Um, the challenges we are facing right now are not unique to WVU. The board is determined to address the challenges head on. Oh my god, that is insane. Well, as Bethany pointed out, this is probably unprecedented at WVU. And so I don't know I don't know what that means, but basically the Board of Governors is ignoring its faculty. And, uh, you know, as the people who are on the ground actually doing the teaching and instructing and researching, I'd say they probably have a better idea of what the university needs than the Board of Governors. But that's my outside perspective. Who are the, do we know who the Board of Governors are? Um, all I know is the chair, Tanya Willis Miller, because that's who, whose email we 
posted in the show notes of last week's episode. Um, I don't know. I wonder if we could probably find that out. WVU Board of Governors list. I bet we could find it. I'm sure it's going to be a veritable who's who of reprehensible swamp scum, but let's just see who's <laughs> on there. Uh, Tanya Willis-Miller, BLG. Richard A. Pill. He's a pill. <laughs> oh, no, there's not a guy on WVU's board named Pill. Dick Pill. His name is Dick Pill. His name is Dick Pill. Oh, shit. Oh, there's a guy in the bog named Dick Pill. Oh, yeah. Dr. Patrice Harris, Charles Capito. I bet he's related to... Uh, Shelly Moore Capito. Surely, right? Yeah. I don't want to fire off at the hip there, but... he That's a safe bet. Retired managing director... Dude, Jesus Christ. This is brutal. So Dick Pill is a lawyer... Dr. Patrice Harris, co-founder and CEO, EMED, Atlanta, Georgia. Charles Capito, retired managing director, complex manager, Wells Fargo Advisors. Bray Cray, or Bray Carey, uh, Carey Communications. Elmer Capusel. <laughs> okay, so so basically all these people are like, like have a personal interest in seeing WVU change like this. One hundred percent. He's the CEO of the Greenbrier. Um, yeah, oh, that makes. I had a friend tell me that uh, her and her dad and her boyfriend went to the Greenbrier to, I guess, one of her rich relatives or something lives at the Greenbrier, and she was like, "Yeah, I was sitting next to E. Gordon G. and." They're big West Virginia people, and I guess she didn't know what was going on there. I was like, you should have reached over there and just smacked the fuck out of her around uh-huh. the back of the head. <laughs> um, you've got Kevin J. Craig, executive vice president of GP Natural Resource Partners. Um, Michael Denunzio, president Beverage Distributors, Inc., Clarksburg, West Virginia. Thomas Jones, retired CEO, West Virginia United Health System. Alan, oh my God! You really do have like, <laughs> it's like the Rincon de Cretinos in the Museum of the Revolution in Cuba, just like uh, you know, <laughs> it's just so bad. Um, Paul Maddox, business development manager, El Robinson Engineering. Uh, Susan Levinsky, CEO, Charles Ryan Associates. Robert Reynolds, president and CEO, Putnam Investments. Um, Stanley Heilman, uh, Jesus Christ, dog, so bad, man. Like, that's well, that's depressing that there's not like a single, you know, like if the founding purpose of a land grant institution is to provide an education to, you know, your your working class people, your middle class people, whatever it is, it's like. Like, the makeup of that Board of Governors in no way reflects. Like, you know, they were, like, grandstanding last week about, like, uh, it doesn't reflect uh, the values or the makeup of the state. Right. Like, well, how the fuck does that, does this Board of Governors reflect? You know, it's like the average West Virginian, a fucking uh, Wells Fargo executive. Yeah, like, how does that reflect? <laughs> yeah, how, do you, how are y'all reflecting anything? Yeah. Uh... 
Well, uh, keep up the pressure on these assholes. Um, you know, I, I just received this. We're recording this at 3 p.m. on what even is today? Wednesday, September Wednesday. 6th. So, I don't know. This is a developing situation. So, when you hear this, things may have changed. Probably will have. But regardless, go email Dick Pill at the very least. Yeah, <laughs> just heckling <him>, man. <laughs> Your name is Dick Pill. <laughs> that's too good. I don't good. know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, shit. All right. Well, um, you can go find more of our content over at Patreon. Please go visit that www.patreon.com slash Party and go support us over there. We appreciate you for l- listening and supporting us this week and we uh hope to see more of you so go over to the patreon until then we'll talk to you later see you now peace out